Hey, it's me, Doug. I wanted to give you two quick announcements. This episode is brought to you by me. I wanted to let you know about the podcast boot camp that is starting up actually next week. So it's January 15th. Enrollment's opened. There's only a couple more spots left. If you're listening to this in the future, you can follow the link and get the up-to-date information. But wanted to let you know if you happen to be listening to the podcast, the date that it's released or the week that it's released anyway. If you have any questions or anything about podcasting, you could shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. The second announcement is the Topical Maps course that Yao Yao has. So he talks about it at the end of the interview, but I wanted to give you a heads up that if you're interested, you can check the link in the description and sign up if you want to. I'm an affiliate for the course, so I get a commission. I know that you'll actually get a ton of value from the interview, but if you want to go one step further, then you could check out the course so that you could do it yourself. Additionally, if you happen to be an agency owner, Yao Yao has a white label service that you can use. So if you want to save time for yourself and outsource it over to Yao Yao, he can do that for you. That covers the announcements for today. So I'll send it to the episode. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today we're going to talk about topical maps. I don't actually know much about topical maps, so I brought on an expert, Yao Yao. And he's an SEO and content strategist. He's well-versed in SEO and content planning specifically. He has a portfolio of niche and authority sites that he manages and provides services to various clients. And he's kind of the expert in this area. And my friend Jason introduced us. It turns out Yao Yao and I have uh, crossed paths kind of maybe 20 plus years ago. So Yao Yao, how's it going today? It's great. Thank you for having me on. It's definitely an honor. Yeah. And we were swapping stories a little bit and we'll, we'll get into all the nitty gritty details, but it turns out that you went to Georgia Tech at the same time I did. So yeah, what's yeah. the story with that? Are you from the Southeast of the US or yeah, what's your story? Yep. How'd you end up at Georgia Tech? So I grew up in New York for the first half of my life as a kid and then high school in Virginia Beach. And then, yeah, I originally actually went to a school up in Albany, New York, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. I went there for a year and then it got way too cold for me. And so <laughs> I, I had a friend that was actually going to Georgia Tech at the time and I visited him, checked it out, and I really liked it. And they had an IT program, information technology, within their management school, right? It was a concentration. At RPI, it was an actual major, um, but at tech, it was, you know, a concentration in the management school. So I was able to transfer in. I had to take like a summer course back in Virginia, uh, like an English 2, I think, because okay. tech required it for freshmen. And then, yeah, I just went to Georgia Tech. I didn't get, I didn't get to live in the dorms because I guess transfers couldn't live there. So I had to get off campus housing, but it was fun. I, I had a great time there. I mean, we graduated the, the exact same year. How crazy is that? 
Yeah, that's nuts. <clears throat> and it turns out, yeah, like, I mean, Georgia Tech had a good reputation, but someone was telling me, I don't pay attention to like the college rankings or whatever, but someone was like, yeah, they're like a top top five like engineering school or someone maybe said yeah. that they were the top engineering school, which I was like, really? They let, they let <laughs> me in, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it, it had, I remember back then when I got to Tech, I was looking for co-op jobs and everything. And I remember people were telling me that just going to tech will get you in a lot of doors. And I was kind of surprised. I didn't realize because of <clears throat> the rankings also, I wasn't aware of how big a name tech was in the South. So it, it, it was it was really cool to see that. And I guess I just kind of lucked into that. Where did you live? So you were off campus. Were you like in a, the home park area or like a little further? Oh, what was it called? It was it was a new development of apartments, and it was pretty much right off campus. It wasn't too far. It was it was right across the freeway. Okay, I think. Gotcha. It was, Interesting. It was Renaissance. Now that I think about it, Renaissance, Renaissance Apartments. Maybe okay. I lived there for like the first year because that was the only thing I could find. And then I was able to get a a roommate for the next year and. We were within walking distance of okay. campus. Got it. All right. So now that I've like alienated 99.9% .9 of the audience with us talking <laughs> I know. about specific details of 25 years ago, it was a crazy time and it was really hard for me. So I, I actually struggled a little bit. And then by the end, I, I like lightened my course load. I did co-op and that was, that was great. Yep. And, and like you said, the name recognition like the caliber of students that come through tech is pretty high. So if you're yeah. somewhat social and you can have a conversation, cause that that's like the big, <laughs> the big issue. Yeah. Some of the engineering <laughs> people, they're a little, they can't hold a conversation, unfortunately, yeah. especially those years. But anyway, tech was crazy. Somehow we went off, we did a bunch we, of stuff. We made so, through it. so how'd you get into SEO and stuff? I'd always loved creating websites since high school, right? Back in the days of AOL, remember, and we were, mm -hmm. I, I was one of the AOL CD hoarders, yeah, getting too. 50 free hours and <laughs> buy, I, I, I buy magazines just for like the AOL CDs. And so I've always loved creating websites and had a lot of fun and was kind of geeky back in high school a little bit and just loved the tech side of things. And obviously that's why I was studying IT, went to tech. When I was co-oping, I was programming. And then I had this 20-year gap, I guess, in the entertainment industry. And I fell into acting back at tech, actually, because they were shooting the movie Road Trip. Remember with Tom Green and Breckenmeyer? So I was an extra. And for a few days, I was... And I just had a lot of fun on, on set. And I fell into acting. And I moved out to LA, but I still always loved like the tech side of things, right? And building websites. And, and so I had part-time gigs doing that, but it wasn't until little before COVID hit that I was living in China. I was working and I was producing animated stuff in China and I just finally just got tired of entertainment. And wanted to do, looked into online opportunities to make money and get back to just making websites. And because I always looked for opportunities to do that. And then I eventually just fell into listening to 
podcasts like yours and and Spencer Hawes and creating websites and blogging and everything. I'd always tried my hand at blogging a little bit and it was just like, well, I'll just blog and and write stories and write whatever, write blog posts about life. And of course they never got any traffic. And eventually I just I looked more and more into it, watched more and more videos and that's when I learned more about SEO and what I needed to do. I know it's a, it's a bit of a long-winded story and then a little all over the place. So what, one thing we could say is it's 9 a.m. here. I've had a cup of coffee. It's midnight where you're <laughs> at. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I asked a, a big question. <laughs> so I'll, I'll pull you back in because I want to just jump right in. Uh, yeah, number, thanks. Number one, you could write a book on this story of like uh, your acting career because I'm like – where, where did that come from? This didn't fit yeah. in the story. We started <laughs> off in the same place. Now we're talking about SEO, but there was a 20-year gap where you did acting, yeah. apparently internationally. <laughs> and then you were in the entertainment industry in general. So a little bit before COVID, you started to connect the dots. And w- what happened then? So you 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 were aware of blogging, and then you were like, all right, I'm going to yep. get my shit together. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to... I wanted to start seeing what opportunities there were to make money online. So I got into a little bit of drop shipping. I looked at blogging and building niche websites, right? Because I knew how to word, I knew how to use WordPress. I knew how to just the technical side of things and setting up my own server to put up a site. And then I started just building sites and, and hiring writers to write blog posts because I was still working at the time. These posts just weren't getting much traffic. And that's when I started looking more and more into SEO, right? And, and building what you need to do for SEO. I even looked into and did some KGR, the keyword golden ratio. I did a lot of internal linking and just hiring quality writers and just putting it up there, right? And it didn't really hit until finally I said, all right, I've started these sites. There's the whole sandbox period and everything. I'm going to buy a site. I'm going to buy a site that's like a year old at least past the sandbox period. And when Motion Invest, I think, started, that's when I bought my first site. I paid a couple thousand for it. It was making... 20 bucks a month. And I was able to build that up and ramp that up pretty quickly. And it it only, I forget how many posts it had, maybe 20 or 30. And I just blasted a bunch of posts out there. I think I got it up to like 60, 70 posts. And it was perfect timing because it was coming up for Black Friday too, and the holidays and everything. So I was able to go from like those $20 and within six months hit a little over almost $7,000 on that one site. And at the same time, I was also able to get another, I bought, I purchased another site for $550, $550. And this one was newer, it, but it was still about, I think it was like eight or 10 months old. It's been a while. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I remember it was $550 because we were haggling a little bit over it. And he threw in some crappy site and I was just like, okay, I haven't touched that site since. It had 10 posts. They were poorly written. I was like, all right, well, this niche is really niche. It was a micro niche and 
let's see what I can do with it. It was a niche I really didn't know anything about and just revamped all 10 posts and created a whole lot more. I think I had 20, I made about 20 posts on it. So total about 30 posts and it was making no money. And I got it to a few thousand also for Black Friday, you know, because the two sites combined made over 10,000. So within those six months, and that's when I thought, okay, something's working. And I know it's not just making a bunch of posts and internal linking was a big part of it as well. Right. And I was being conscious about the way I was doing the content planning and keyword research and without realizing what I was really doing was coming to full circle to the topical map stuff is I was focusing more on just topics and not focus and not kind of throwing a bunch of low competition keywords against the wall to see what sticks. I was focused on, okay, if I was the person who wanted to learn about this niche and this topic, what do I need to know? Right. And my, my favorite analogy is like college courses. When you go to a college court, when you study anything in college, it's, you start with a one-on-one course, right? And then you start going deeper the following semester, you take a 102. And then the next year you take a 201, 202, and there's 300s, 400s, and you get into the special specialties, right? So I followed that same thought process and was doing it topically and, and just said, and that's where I fell into doing topical maps because I got, after I did a couple podcasts, people started reaching out to me. They wanted help as well. Right. And I'm sure you get a lot of these emails too. Is At the time I never got them. And so I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And, and people wanted to, people were willing to hire, pay me to do it. I said, all right, well, let's talk. And they would hire me and, and I helped them create content plans. I fine tuned it a lot more, the whole process. Right. And that's when I came around to topical maps. So let's go back a little bit. So you mentioned the first couple sites that you purchased and you were able to turn them around. They were pretty much starter sites. Maybe the the first one making $20 a month. I mean, still pretty brand new site overall. What year was that? What, what retail season? You mentioned the Christmas holidays and retail season. It was 2020. Okay. So it really yeah. was like right, right in the middle of the pandemic and everything like that. Yeah. It was right in the middle of the pandemic because I was living in Taiwan at the time where I'm based right now. And so we had, I was living in Xiamen, China. I came back to Taiwan for Chinese New Year's. So it was January. Then the, there were, there was, little spread back in December and within China about how people were getting sick and everything. And so I, I came to Taiwan for the holidays with the family and that's where we just basically said, okay, stuff was hitting the fan. Let's stay here in Taiwan where it's actually been safe, quote safe. People weren't really getting sick. Taiwan had really good policies in place with not locking people indoors or anything like that. Like 
like China was doing, but in terms of tracing and everything, they were really good about that and they were able to find people. So it it was relatively safe in terms of put a face mask on, go out. They had sanitizers all already prepped in all the places because they, they go through it a lot, right? Mm, With SARS and HN, whatever bird flus. Uh, so we just stayed in, in Taiwan and that was about the same time I, I purchased the sites. Okay. So that was 2020, I think. All right. So you had some firsthand experience. You saw the turnaround, you approached it in a very logical way. And I, I've thought about this. I mean, it's not, it's not like super unique, right? It's how you would write a no. book or a series yeah. of books, right? Or exactly. like you said, college courses. So it's just organizing it in a logical way and approaching the content in a logical way versus, like you said, just throwing every low competition keyword at the wall. And yep. of course, we've seen people even do that where there's not even a niche. It's just like random keywords, yep. random topics. So it's really tough for Google to figure out what your site's about. So we've talked about topical maps. Can you just define topical map and I'll ask some follow-up questions, how it compares to clustering, but we'll just keep it kind of discreet. So what is a topical map? Like if, if someone is getting a deliverable from a service, what does that deliverable look like? It is a visual representation of your site structure with organized hierarchically into main topics and subtopics up to four levels. And that's what it is in a nutshell, right? Okay. Yeah. That's great. So it provides you some visual structure instead of just like a list of URLs where potentially you might be able to see a hierarchy if someone sets up a child, a parent-child relationship but this is kind of like a, a mind map, if you will, yep. of what's going on. So it gives you the kind of the architecture, the hierarchy, and it makes it much easier to organize the content. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It, it's I offer, I give them a spread. There's a spreadsheet component and then a mind map component for the more visually minded, right? They And they're both in sync. And the spreadsheet is perfect for a content plan, right? Make using as your content management spreadsheet. And the internal linking structure is there. Everything is there according to the way the topics are organized hierarchically. Now, how does it compare to a content cluster? What, what do people mean when they say content cluster, or maybe they use a clustering tool? What's the difference? So a content cluster basically is the way people use it is they have one pillar article, right? Say best, best dog food, right? Dog food guide, guide to dog food. Okay. That's your pillar article around it. You have every single iteration article about dog food, right? Best dog food, best dog food for old dogs, best dog food for puppies. You have can cats eat dog food? Can birds eat dog food? Those are the, you have those long tail keywords and it's just all one level, right? And it just all surrounds the one pillar article of guide to dog, dog food guide. The way 
I like to structure it more is you break it down even more, right? So you have dog food, then next level, you have best types of dog food, type different types of dog food. And then horizontally, you you have other topics about dog food and you break those down even more, right? You have best okay. dog food overall, best brands for dog food, best dog food for senior dogs, best dog food for puppies, right? So there's three levels from that. Got it. Dog food guide. Yeah. And it, as you describe it, I'm like a, a topical map could be considered a cluster, but it's a very specific kind of cluster with a hierarchy with four levels. Yep. And, and you mentioned four levels. That seems arbitrary to me. Why four levels? It's in my experience, when I did, when I went down to five levels, I had a much harder time getting those pages to index, getting those pages to rank. Four levels was as far as I saw just in, in, in the articles I had that were ranking still pretty well. Okay. Got Three levels and then two levels. And the fourth levels are where your really long tail keywords are. You can usually make lots of topical maps down to three levels and occasionally some fours. You don't always have to go down to the fourth level. Sounds like typical diminishing returns where you could put in more effort, but it doesn't really pay off and it might actually yeah. hurt you. Like many things, if you, whatever, you you eat too much healthy food, like you're still eating too much food and you're not getting a benefit from that or you work out too much or something. Yeah. All right. Now, and you mentioned like long tail keywords, low competition keywords, and I have heard some people mention that topical authority strategies are kind of like, I mean, isn't that the same as like going after low competition keywords? Can you compare and contrast and talk about how those relate to each other? Well, low competition keyword strategy is really just getting, just hitting low competition keywords, right? Um, and you're just, you're, you're, not really in doing any internal linking. Um, or if you are, it's very haphazard. There's no planning to it, right? You just happen to see a word that's similar. You have a cat article here. You have a dog article here. And you're like, okay, well, they're pets. So I'll link to them somehow, right? Topical authority is you hit everything, right? You go after these high volume keywords and, and the really competitive ones. And it's not that, you know, it's not that you're trying to rank for it right off the bat, right? Cause you're, you're not going to on a new site. So it's more about showing Google, showing your users, especially that you, you have the expertise, the authority that what you are talking about. It's not. It's not trying to rank those top ones right away. You're, you're gonna. You're still going to write your long tail keywords, but they are all tied together topically, and and search engines know that. Your users know that, and it's. I've seen higher stickiness as well in terms of users with engagement because they know I'm actually tying them. I'm actually giving them a roadmap if they wanted to study more about a certain topic, because my related articles, my internal links, the breadcrumbs, they make a lot more sense. It sounds like there's a common theme here where it's intentionality about what you're doing versus yeah. 
just it's a good way to put it yeah yeah g- going after things without planning so it, it does require thinking a little bit farther ahead not just the next thing you have to do but maybe like four or five steps ahead just right. so i mean things could change right you don't have to plan yeah. that far ahead but it at least it gets you moving in the right direction versus like random activity based on a list of keywords that have like no priority, no relationships. So with that intentionality, it sounds like internal linking plays a pretty big role in the whole thing. And you mentioned Spencer Hawes, he has a great tool, Link Whisper. But can you just talk about the internal linking and how you approach it? And it's hard to uh, visualize this, but as well as you could describe it, we're thinking of a topical map. How does one internally link to give the the best signals to Google? So I don't do, my internal linking process isn't that different from anything others like Kyle Roof or Matt Diggity, Diggity have said, right? It's, you have your top article say, fruits right this is this is easier than than dog food the the fruits then you have apples below it on level two and oranges and apples and oranges would link back up to fruits right and then within the apple silo you have articles like what are apples nutritional value of apples how to make apple juice how to make apple sauce and all those articles right on the same level, you would link. You can they can link to each other horizontally um, and back up to the higher level, and then the Apple article, the higher Apple article, would link down to at least one of the articles and multiple articles usually, because your Apple article is your pillar article, right? So you still treat it the same. It's it's basically a topical map is basically a the map of all your all your topic clusters and mini topic clusters, I guess. Right. Okay. I like to call them silos and sub silos. Perfect. Uh, and yeah. And really, like you said, there's a silo concept where people can look back. There's some some articles. I think Bruce Clay wrote an article a very long time ago about silos. And mm-hmm. I think I I wrote an article a while back, but essentially, like you said, it's a parent-child relationship. It's some intentional linking. How important, or let me rephrase that. How is it an issue if you deviate from that? So let's say, for example, there's a really good reason for you to link the Apple article, some sub-silo over to another one over here Mm -hmm. in the orange silo, but they're both talking about the sugar content of juices, right? So there's... There's something very relevant. Is it a big yeah. deal if you deviate, even if it makes no. sense for the? Okay, so no, yeah, it, it's not. It's not hard and fast. You must do this, right? You can link to other articles that are really related, really relevant that you want to prioritize as well, right? And and I think the what I usually tell. Get, uh, students is stay within the silo as much as you can and only link out of the silo if you really think it's relevant. Okay. Because what I find is if you don't tell them, tell people that they will just, li- they start going back to bat- their old habits of linking haphazardly, right? According to one, one word. Like I use links whisper 
but I use the reporting um, part of it a lot more than I use for actual linking because the auto linking on it, um, you're, you're automatically linking to one word or a phrase, right? And it's looking through multiple articles, no matter where it is. And I think you can limit it to certain categories and, and tags or something like that. But still, you're not counting, you're not making sure that you're over-optimizing anchors, for example, right? Mm-hmm. It's just going to make, Link Whisper may suggest 10 links, 10, 10 different pages for the word Apple, and it, you click OK. And then now you have, you know, over... Now you're sending 10 Apple signals to 10 different pages and you're going to confuse your readers. You're going to confuse Google, right? And all the different search engines, what those pages are about because 10 different pages can't just be about apples. Right. And I think like, I haven't been in the weeds with Link Whisper in in a little while, but you would essentially just have to take a more manual approach and go step-by-step, one-by-one, make sure you look at the anchor text and make sure if it's in a particular silo that you don't want to link to, just don't link to that one and go to the the ones that are relevant. So, okay. So this all sounds great, especially if you're starting a site fresh, right? It's easy. You're planning Mm -hmm. ahead. You got your list of keywords. Maybe you're even prioritizing specific topic topic areas we'll we'll say like silos so that you could cover those get that one done move on to the next one right but yep. let's say you already have a site and it has 200 posts so what what do you do then how do you approach this beast so i i still do the same thing approach it the, just like what is the central topic of your site, right? What did, what do you want your site to be seen as in terms of what topic are you the expert at? What topic are you the authority on? Then from there, you start creating your topical map. I, I say to start it, create it fresh while keeping in mind the, the, some of the things you already have. But if you are trying to create it around your 200 posts, you're going to have a lot tougher time trying to organize it because especially if you did a low competition keyword strategy right from the start because those are they're so spread out and, and it is the spaghetti against the wall right you don't know how they're connected they may not even connect so what you do is what is your central topic use that as your seed keyword and work from there to create a topical map then you use that topical map to see where your 200 posts fit in, right? And then you're going to start realizing, oh, maybe these two posts kind of are tied to this one unique article, right? So I have, I should, what I should do is combine these two articles into one, right? So you're also fixing your keyword cannibalization and you're optimizing everything overall. So it would be like a gap analysis. So instead of trying to look at your mess of a website where you weren't thinking in these terms, you just ignore that for now. 
you create the ideal topical map of where you want to be and then you fit it in from there and it'll guide yep. you like, hey, do I need to write some more articles in this area that I have missed? And you see this opportunity yep. or like you said, combine some articles that are, they're actually the same topic or search intent. You put those together and then you're in good shape. So with that, I mentioned parent-child relationship. There is an approach, yeah. especially within WordPress, where you can have pages with a parent and child, and you actually have like a silo structure within the URL, and the mm -hmm. hierarchy is right there. Do you have to do that, or can you just keep things as post, or how do you implement it? I I prefer I generally prefer pages and the parent child because it is a lot easier to organize right and and stay organized. Now you can do it with categories and subcategories, but I, I found that to be a lot of a bigger pain to to manage. And so I always do pages, and I haven't found any sort of you know. Uh, um, SEO hits or anything like that in terms of pages versus posts. I know it's a big topic and people love to talk about it. So for me personally, I haven't had any issues with pages and, and indexing and, and rankings. I've had, I have sites with posts and pages where pages are for more statics and, and posts are for more just random articles with it that are still topically relevant. But it's, and those still rank fine. And, but I just, having posts and pages is harder to manage as well. I have to often refer back to the topical maps I have and to see how they're all connected. But in terms of just using pages, I'm able to see it very clearly. And I think it also offers a better user experience as well. If you're going to a website and you hit your, this, fourth level keyword, you're able to reverse engineer the next level up and the next level up by just removing the the keywords from the URL, right? Yep. And I agree. It's, it's definitely easier. And you can see a lot of sites will have like the breadcrumbs listed. So people can imagine it like that, where you can see you've navigated down to a specific type of Apple. And if yep. you go back up, you, you see very clearly where you can hop back over to fruit in general. Now, And that, that's where some of the higher user engagement comes in as well, right? Because if you, you said you have the, the Fiji apples, right? This Fiji type of apple. Well, what other app types of apples are there, right? I just have to go to the breadcrumb and click the button that says, click the link that says types of apples, right? as a higher level article. And now I'm connected to that article and then I could go down the rabbit hole even more. So the big issue, right, with a site that already has 200 posts, most of them are posts and you want to convert them to pages. So you end up with, it's a problem, but it's, a, it's an easily solvable problem, not necessarily logistically simple to execute, but I think you would have to do 301s for yeah. the post over to the new page. And you have to be very organized, but again, just in the spreadsheet. So is that what you would recommend? If it's if it's a site that's not doing well, yeah, why not? Give it a shot, right? And, and you know, disrupt disrupt the algo a little bit right because it's already not seeing it's sub it's seeing something on your site that it's not liking so it, you're not ranking as well 
But if you're already ranking well for you're getting traffic, I, I say you continue on with your posts and just, you know, you just have to figure a way to manage it a little bit more, right? Minute manage your process. Your, I would still do some of the 301s and, and look at your cannibalization, look at your how your article, articles are interlinked, but I would not just go from posts to pages. I wouldn't just completely disrupt whatever is already working on your site. I make incremental changes for sure. It's not something you must do and have to change on your site, right? So it's if it's if your site just keeps getting hit update after update after update, why not disrupt it? Okay, that, that makes perfect sense also. Yeah, if there's a, a machine that's operating well, you don't want to go in and start yeah. changing changing parts and stuff for no no good reason. All right. So wh- where does like the input data come from for creating the topical map. So we, we talked about it. Is it just like keyword research tools and then you place them in the right spot or how does that work? Yeah. So the process first is to do topical research, find out what your topics are about, the related. You're essentially, to go back to the college college course analogy, you're creating your curriculum. You're creating your topical outline of the main topics and subtopics. And so you're doing all that. You're going to, you can go to Google, you go to the your top competitors to read their articles and learn more about the, the niche and the topic overall. But if you already know about it, then it makes it a lot easier, right? So you don't, there are no keyword tools at this time. You're just going to find out more information. You're using Google, you're using Wikipedia, you're using trends, you're using whatever is out there, especially competitors. I, I love going to competitor sites, right? Because especially the big ones, because they have, then after, once you create your topical outline of your main topics and, and, and subtopics and the general hierarchy of them, then you go put these topics into keyword tools. I use Lowfruits because one, it uses like it uses real time data from Google's API, so I'm able to get the latest. I'm able to find related keywords maybe that are trending with not a lot of traffic, but just new things on different topics, and then you go through the keywords, filter out the irrelevant ones cluster the relevant ones. And then you go and you do your topical hierarchy. You organize it hierarchically and there's your topical map (laughs) in a nutshell. Okay. That's great. So it doesn't have to be overly complicated. You don't actually have to go and get like expensive... No. Essentially marketing tools like SEMrush or Hrefs where like they have a ton of data. So you don't you don't need that stuff, really. Some some people prefer using Ahrefs and SEMrush because they're used to it. I I used to be like that. I used to love all that data from Ahrefs. I used to love all the data from SEMrush, the keyword tools and stuff like that. But it got to be that it was so overwhelming that a lot of those keywords were just duplicates of each other, right? Um, you, you, you know, you, you have Apple. A apple, apples, right? And apple, you know, right. you, you have four keywords that mean the exact same thing and, it, and, and it's not as helpful. Um, and you're just filtering a lot more. So instead of putting the word apple into 
Google in, in, into um, Ahrefs and SEMrush, getting back 10,000 keywords, you are doing the doing the work first on trying to figure out what the important topics are, taking those specific topics um, and throwing them into low fruits to get the, um, you know, the related, the Google, the Google autocompletes, the PAAs, um, you know, the related keywords down at the bottom of that first page. You, you're getting those specific keywords that are really that are highly relevant rather gotcha. than all the duplicates and yeah and who okay. knows and it, they go very off topic with those other tools right and they're expensive and just quick yeah and they're expensive is yeah. people also ask so yeah i mean really you could do this almost exclusively without any paid tools i'm sure something like low fruits or even if you use something like I don't know, like keywords everywhere or something to give you a little more data. It could be a little helpful, yeah. but you really can just get a notebook, like write a bunch of stuff out, go to the library, like pick up a book, like look through stuff like yeah. that and get a ton Books of Books are great. Yeah. Books are great. Yeah. And, and one, th one thing on the clustering is I would use a clustering tool that is, that uses the SERPs. So Obviously, the SERPs are always in flux, but you want to use one that uses SERPs rather than AI clustering. There are lots of like, whether it's you're using keyword distance or NCRAM or you want to use what's, if you want to rank organically, right, in searches, then why not use SERPs to cluster and, and find similarities there? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, Time has flown by, so we're going to have oh, wow. to start yeah. ra wrapping up here. All so good, you, yeah. You could go to bed and everything, but let's see. There's a couple other things that I want to get into. So there have been several Google updates in the, this fall of 2023. W what have you seen on your sites, other sites that you've worked with where the topical maps have been implemented well versus maybe sites that don't have that competitors, perhaps? You know, it, it's interesting because you can cover. I've I've seen both, right? Sites that have been that have implemented topical th maps well and covered. They have good co topical coverage, and then sites without top good topical coverage do well, right? I think there are both both sides of the story. For me personally, I, I the interesting thing is the new sites with. My newer sites, I guess, that are less than a year old got bumps recently from the where the November core update. So it's interesting because they have I haven't built any backlinks to them and they're just zero DRs if you go by the Ahrefs domain rating. So they've gotten bumps, whereas my older sites, there are a couple older sites two that got knocked about 10 to one is about 10 to 15%. Another is about 25%. But then another one got a nice little bump of 20%. So it's a little all over the place. It's I'm, I'm, I haven't dug enough through the data to say for sure, confidently one way or the other, what to do about it. Sure. Yep. And it seems like a lot of the people that I talk to, yeah, it's all over the place. Seems like AI content's doing better than you would think, especially if they're publishing at some uh, very high velocity with a 
you know, yeah. a couple thousand posts, which is somewhat troubling because I know at least the people that I'm chatting with, the content is not that good. They're just testing it out to see if it'll work. But sort of the, yeah. one of the final questions, yeah, any any changes with topical maps, with AI content or any impact at all? No, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm still... I'm still doing what I do. It's the first, what I, what I like to tell people is basically it's all about building a brand, right. And, and showing that your site is a place that is an authority in whatever you're talking about, right. It's trustworthy. It's a trustworthy site. It used to be just sites and the internet was full of niche sites and still is of homepages where they're just blog rolls. And down at the very bottom, you have 50, you have those links that pagination links, pagination links that go up to like 50. And I mean, that's just a bad user experience, right? You want to offer a good user experience. And that's what I mean by branding. And I I think that's the focus for for me and everything I'm doing. And, And so it's as well as the topical map and structuring your site, just structuring everything for a good user experience. When it comes to AI content, I'm implementing AI content on my sites as well, but it's a very human process still. So what I do is I still, the keyword research part is done by the topical map. So the content plan is out. The each of those topics, the articles that we need to write, a writer, one of my guys will go to, will create the content brief for it and an outline based off of the page one and the top competitors. And then they will write the instructions for the whole brief for each section. Then that goes into AI. And that's how I use AI. That goes into AI. The output is edited by a human. And then, then it just gets published, right? Images are usually stock and, and some AI generated images as well. Depend, it depends on that type of article. Okay. But so it's, it's just more of a tool rather than the actual, right? The whole kit and caboodle, I guess. Right. And the important part, I think the content brief is written by a person, like there's yeah. research behind it. So the inputs are very good when you send it in there. One, one thing I'll mention, I interviewed my friend, Tony Maritato, and he talked about providing, he's a physical therapist, right? So he put mm-hmm. in medical journal articles as the inputs using WebPilot mm-hmm. and ChatGPT. So it's Great. good, accurate information. And then he tells ChatGPT to interview him as an expert physical therapist, which he is. And then he'll get a list of questions. He'll answer those questions with voice typing, Google Docs or whatever, and then he'll feed it in. And that is part of the input as well. So you end up with like actual quotes. You have the source information as long as ChatGPT didn't fuck up and make something up. Yeah. As long as they use the sources that you provided, it's going to be an accurate article with a human voice behind it, which is a, a really smart way. I've heard other people talk a little bit about a couple pieces of that, but like using it like that, you end up with like a pretty damn good article. He goes yeah. and edits it afterwards, but that's something else to to throw in there if it makes sense for you. So, yeah, I mean, obviously coming from the tech side of things, you and I, 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 I have a built 
in, in how I have in-house apps for a bunch yeah, of little cool. things, right? So when OpenAI came out with their fine-tuned 3.5 model, I took advantage of that. I, I created and you know use they everyone uses my the the fine-tuned model now, right? So I'm getting exactly what I want and expect in my articles and the formatting from the writers and i'm getting it you know G- gpt4 level f- at 3.5 prices right because of the fine-tuned model yeah right? right. it takes it takes a long time to create that spreadsheet to give to the fine-tuning but it works right you're saving a lot of money in the long run and you're getting what you wanted right off the bat and it saves your editors a lot more time so it increases efficiency as well and to what your friend Tony does, I do similar things as well. I, you know, you can, why I love books is you can download and find PDFs of books and, yeah. you know, the legality of that, of that aside. Uh, but you can also find a lot of papers as well, right? And if you are in a medical niche, as your friend is, then you can find a lot of stuff like that. You can find a lot of PDFs and you can train your models on that information. There are lots of chat apps out there now, right? And you can upload PDFs, upload websites, chat GPT. You can create your own GPT. There's a limited to those GPTs, but other other sites don't have that, those limits. So you can upload like 100 megs of stuff. Or if you are able to, you can program your own and your own local on your own local machine, right? And throw in whatever PDFs you want and just ask questions and it'll sort through all that, all that data and give you the answers. So there's so much you can do with it. It's just a matter of, can you think of it? right? Right. Can you think of what you want to do? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I, my mind when you mentioned the, you know, the fine tuning models, I thought about all the many hours of podcasts and different things that I've talked about. So I have like yeah. a library full of really nonsense of transcripts, right? But I could feed it in and I've heard other podcasters that are that are smart where they fine tune. They created a chat bot and people, maybe their students or whatever can go in and ask questions and they get like pretty damn good answers. So like you said, there's a decent amount of overhead and I know there are some services out there that like will do it for you, but yeah, interesting business model, interesting way to use it in I never implemented yeah. any of the, you, you actually did it. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to learn how to do this. I, I never learned Python before, but I was like, it's pretty approachable. You could use chat GPT to like program itself and that kind of stuff. But anyway. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still not a big programmer, but chat GPT four is the chat GPT is using the GPT four. It's great. It's very, very easy to create these little apps and stuff. Very cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. This has been super fun. Very insightful. I know we we gave people essentially the process of how they could do this on their yeah. own. But I want to give you the opportunity to, to talk about number one, your course, and then number two, you actually have a service. So people can obviously do this on their own, but if they want a little bit more help, you have a couple resources. So please tell us about what you have going on. Yeah. So I have the Topical Maps Unlock course. 
It is in a lot of over-the-shoulder shots. One of the cool things I did, I, I thought, was I had the early bird students pick a topic. Okay, they picked a central topic which came out to home gym equipment, and I I did a real time recording of me creating a topical map for it. So it was like it's like a five plus hour just video of how I did all the research and everything. Um, but then, of course, you have all the other, you know, videos and lessons up there. And it's a step-by-step process. Um, takes time to create topical maps, and but it's well worth it in the end, right? But I also have a, you know, done-for-you service uh, where I will take your central topic, your C keyword, and just create a full topical map, you know, for it. And then, yeah. Just those two topical maps. Okay. Nice and simple. Cool. And who is the right person for maybe the service? Like what, what is the ideal client that gets the most out of it? Any, anyone who is looking to create a site. Um, I get lots of people with, I get lots of agencies actually um, for their clients because it, it saves them a lot of time and a lot of headache um, as well. And, Anyone who just doesn't want to be making their own topical maps and, and having trouble with keyword tools and figuring out where to start. Okay, perfect. And, and so an agency, again, perfect use case. They can white label your report and yeah. then turn it over to the client. And that's totally cool with you. Yeah, totally perfect. fine. Yeah, what I give them, everything is not, everything is white labeled. There's no... There's nothing that can't be removed. Okay, right on. Okay, we'll link up to that stuff. I'm an affiliate for the product, so I get a commission if you sign yeah. up, but I greatly appreciate it. And the last thing we'll point out, you have an awesome newsletter. We were just chatting about it oh, before. Yeah. It's pretty epic, and I want I want you to tell people about it. I'm a subscriber, and yeah, it's pretty cool. So go ahead, go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, so you helped me realize that I actually passed the three year mark on it. It's something I actually don't. I it's a it's a weekly newsletter that goes out every Saturday morning, and it's basically curates the most important news, SEO news, niche site news, anything related to online businesses and things like that, and just the best of the best that I find every week. It's perfect. And the reason why I like it so much is it curates the stuff. And people know, I talk often about how I don't like social media. That's where a lot of stuff is shared. There's a a vibrant community over at Twitter, I'm told. But I just, I can't go through all the stuff. I, I just don't read the news in any capacity. That includes any SEO or industry news. So it's great to have it curated. So I know what I could check out. It's already gone through your filter. And then I, I, I can rest assured that it's, it's good, high quality content. So thanks. Yep. So everyone check that out. We'll link up to the stuff. And yeah, yeah, this has been uh, really enlightening. We, I didn't realize we we're going to get deep into the AI stuff, but hopefully we can catch up soon and hear about what's going on. So thanks a lot, man. Definitely. Thank you. Appreciate it, Doug.